you are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny, we'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes, and we'll pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. As the golden African sun set over the vast, unyielding desert, its last rays casting long shadows over the silent, empty landscape, an unprecedented storm was gathering. The winds of war were shifting, carrying with them the acrid smell of smoke and the distant echo of artillery fire, as if foretelling the epic clash that was soon to erupt. This was no ordinary stretch of sand, this was El Alamein, a place where history was about to be written in blood and steel. The stage was set for a battle that would determine the fate of World War II. On one side of the looming conflict stood the confident and resilient British Eighth Army, led by the meticulous and strategic General Bernard Montgomery, a man known for his steely resolve and tactical acumen. On the other, the formidable German-Italian Panzer Army, commanded by the legendary Desert Fox, General Erwin Rommel, who had built a reputation as a ruthless and brilliant tactician, his name becoming synonymous with the harsh and brutal desert warfare of North Africa. They were both masters of their craft, well-versed in the art of war, yet with different philosophies and strategies, but driven by the same unwavering determination to achieve victory. As they prepared to engage in a battle that would shape the course of history, the vast desert of El Alamein, so silent and placid on the eve of the conflict, seemed to hold its breath, waiting for the storm. This titanic struggle, the Second Battle of El Alamein, would become a crucial turning point in the war, a touchstone moment that would swing the momentum in favor of the Allies. The battles fought and the sacrifices made there would echo through the ages, their legacy far outlasting the fleeting, brutal moments of conflict. This is the story of El Alamein, of the men who fought, of the strategies that were deployed and of the ripple effect that this monumental battle had on the broader theater of World War II. The desert is ready to tell its tale. Are you ready to listen? Chapter 1. Setting the Stage Stretching out beneath an endless sky, the North African desert sprawled, a sea of shimmering sand and jagged rock. Unforgiving, relentless, it was a landscape as harsh as it was beautiful. At its heart lay El Alamein, a seemingly insignificant railway stop in Egypt, a blip on the vast desert canvas. Yet, this isolated location was to be the stage for one of the most pivotal battles of World War II. This was a battlefield like no other. Where usually one might envisage a complex tapestry of trenches, fortifications, towns, and forests, El Alamein offered a stark, stripped-back theater of war. It was a stage on which the forces of the British Empire and the Axis powers, chiefly Germany and Italy, would grapple in a dramatic contest of will and might. A confrontation between two very different leaders was on the horizon. In the north, the cool, turquoise Mediterranean Sea provided a natural boundary, 
To the south, the impassable Katara Depression, a rugged and inhospitable wasteland, lay like a natural moat. This left a corridor, roughly forty miles wide, within which the ebb and flow of battle would unfold. On the Allied side, General Bernard Montgomery, known affectionately as Monty to his troops, was a man defined by an unwavering belief in detailed planning and thorough preparation. A careful tactician, his stern gaze overlooked the battlefield from behind round spectacles, a signature black beret perched on his head. A picture of confidence, he inspired the trust of his men with his calm demeanor and decisive leadership. On the opposing side, General Erwin Rommel, the Desert Fox, was a force to be reckoned with. He was a man who had earned the grudging respect of both his foes and his own troops. His reputation for swift, decisive action and his ability to read the battlefield were legendary, making him one of the most formidable adversaries Montgomery had ever faced. Beneath the vast, star-filled skies, these two strategists eyed each other across the battlefield. Their armies, a complex machinery of men, tanks, artillery, and aircraft, were poised for action, like a pair of chess players deep in thought, each waiting for the other to make the first move. The North African desert was silent now, holding its breath in the face of the coming storm. The Second Battle of El Alamein was about to begin, forever marking the sands of Africa with the footprints of war. It was here that the course of World War II would begin to turn, and the sands would bear witness to the indomitable spirit of those who fought and fell. The desert waited, patient and timeless, as the final pieces of this historical showdown slid into place. In the world's greatest conflict, the Second World War, many characters emerged, but none more impactful in the North African theater than Generals Bernard Montgomery and Erwin Rommel. These were men shaped by their respective cultures, military traditions, personal experiences, and an unwavering commitment to their cause. As they took center stage in El Alamein, the sands seemed to hum with anticipation. Hailing from London, Bernard Montgomery, or Monty as he was known, was every bit the quintessential British officer. A product of the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst, his meticulous attention to detail, unwavering confidence, and strategic insight had been honed over years of military service. Monty was a man who understood the value of careful planning and thorough preparation. His leadership style was marked by firm discipline, underpinned by a warm concern for the welfare of his men. Monty was more than just a commander to his troops, he was a symbol of hope, a beacon of resolute determination in the face of adversity. Across the battlefield, in stark contrast, was Erwin Rommel. Born in the quiet town of Heidenheim, Germany, Rommel's journey to North Africa was as remarkable as the man himself. Known as the Desert Fox for his cunning and bold tactical maneuvers, Rommel had quickly risen through the ranks of the German military. His leadership style was very different from Montgomery's. Rommel was renowned for his aggressive, flexible tactics, his deep understanding of mechanized warfare, and his knack for exploiting the enemy's weak points. He had a unique ability to instill a warrior ethos in his troops, inspiring them to fight against the odds. Rommel was not just a general, he was a legend in his own right. 
As these two leaders surveyed the battlefield, a spark of mutual respect and rivalry ignited between them. They were pawns of opposing sides, yet each held a grudging admiration for the other. The coming battle would be a dance of strategies, a test of wits, and a true testament to their leadership abilities. The stage was set. As the harsh desert sun gave way to a blanket of stars, Monty and Rommel prepared their troops for the trials ahead. They were more than just military generals, they were actors on the world stage, where their performance would not only determine the outcome of a critical battle but also influence the course of the world's most devastating war. Under the watchful eyes of the stars, the characters were ready, the stage was set, and the curtain was about to rise on one of the most pivotal acts of World War II. Before the showdown of the Second Battle of El Alamein, there was the first showdown. It was July 1942, a time when the echoes of war had begun to resonate through the desolate landscape of the North African desert. While the theater of battle was the same, the atmosphere was noticeably different. This was the first face-off between the Desert Fox and the British Eighth Army, and it would set the stage for their historic confrontation in October. At that time, the British Eighth Army was under the command of General Claude Auchinleck, a seasoned military officer with a tough job on his hands. The German-Italian Panzer Army, under the expert leadership of Rommel, had been scoring victory after victory. They had pushed the Allies back to El Alamein, dangerously close to Alexandria, the gateway to the Suez Canal and the oilfields of the Middle East. This was a strategic point that the British were desperate to hold. On the evening of July 1st, under the blanket of darkness, the opening salvo of the First Battle of El Alamein was launched. Rommel, always the aggressor, attacked first. He intended to encircle the British, cut them off from their supply routes, and deliver a decisive blow. But the British, stubborn and steadfast, held their ground. The battle raged on for 27 grueling days. Tanks roared, rifles crackled, and men screamed as the desert was turned into a lethal war zone. In the end, despite being heavily outnumbered, the British managed to halt the advance of Rommel's forces. The first showdown ended in a stalemate, a desperate and costly blocking action by the British. The immediate outcome of this battle was not a clear victory for either side but it provided vital lessons for both. Rommel learned of the tenacity and resilience of the British forces, while the British recognized the need for a more unified and strategic approach. The curtain fell on the first showdown with both sides taking a step back, each reflecting on their shortcomings and successes. As the dust settled and the echoes of war gradually faded, the generals, their troops, and indeed, the world, knew that the next act would not be long in coming. The first showdown had ended, but it was clear that the stage of El Alamein was not yet ready to fall silent. The characters had taken their positions, and they were gearing up for what was to be one of the most definitive confrontations in the history of World War II. Chapter 2 The Gathering Storm In the aftermath of the first showdown, it was clear that a new approach was necessary for the British forces. A change in command brought the meticulous General Montgomery into the fray. His arrival was like a fresh breeze blowing through the ranks of the weary and demoralized Eighth Army. 
Montgomery was not only a military strategist, he was a man who understood the importance of morale in the face of war. Even as the desert sun blazed relentlessly, the British Eighth Army was buzzing with a renewed sense of purpose. Monty, as he was fondly known, wasted no time in restructuring the forces. Training drills were intensified, and troops were familiarized with the enemy's tactics. A focus was placed on coordination among different units, ensuring they functioned as a cohesive whole. Monty also turned his attention to the desert terrain. He recognized the importance of the geography and worked tirelessly to convert the harsh landscape into an ally minefields were laid to channel the enemy tanks into killing zones, and artillery units were strategically placed to cover the open desert. One of the most significant changes Montgomery implemented was strengthening the lines of communication. He made it a point to frequently visit his troops, using his charisma to boost morale. He was a firm believer that every soldier should know the plan, giving them a sense of purpose and making them feel part of a larger picture. Meanwhile, supplies started pouring in from across the Atlantic, thanks to the United States' support. The arrival of the Sherman tanks marked a significant upgrade to the British armored units. These well-armored and reliable tanks would soon prove their worth in the desert warfare that lay ahead. In these weeks of preparation, the Eighth Army was transformed. It was no longer a disparate group of exhausted troops, it was a well-oiled, motivated machine ready to take on the might of the Panzer Army. As the day of the second showdown loomed, Montgomery's Eighth Army stood prepared, gazing into the horizon where their enemy lay. Their hearts beat with the rhythm of the desert, filled with a newfound determination. The preparations had set the stage for the upcoming clash, and now, under the clear desert sky, the British waited for the queue to begin their performance in the greatest battle of their lives. On the other side of the no-man's land, the situation was starkly different. Rommel, the desert fox, found himself cornered in a maze of complications. His aura of invincibility from the early victories was beginning to wane. Rommel was in a predicament, and the shadows of doubt were creeping into the minds of his men. For one, the German-Italian Panzer Army was stretched thin. The long supply lines from Europe were increasingly vulnerable to Allied attacks. Supplies were dwindling, and the precious fuel for Rommel's formidable panzers, the backbone of his blitzkrieg tactics, was perilously low. What was once a swift and mighty force was now slowly being ground down by the relentless desert and the increasing resistance of the Allies. Yet, the German high command seemed oblivious to Rommel's precarious position. They kept pushing for an advance, unable to appreciate the challenges their forces faced in the brutal African desert. Rommel found himself torn between his loyalty to his superiors and his responsibility to his men. Rommel's health was another concern. The relentless desert war had taken a toll on him. He was suffering from a severe bout of jaundice and the physical strain was making it increasingly difficult for him to command his forces effectively. There was a palpable sense of worry among his men as they saw their commander, a man they revered, growing visibly weaker. In spite of all this, Rommel's spirit remained unbroken. He was a man of action, a warrior who thrived in the face of adversity. His tactical genius was still at play, 
as he planned a series of fortified defensive lines to slow down and bleed the advancing British forces. As the desert wind carried whispers of an impending Allied assault, Rommel steeled himself for the challenge. His brow was furrowed with worry, but his eyes held a determined glint. His men, sharing their commander's resilient spirit, prepared to meet the enemy. The predicament they found themselves in was dire, but they weren't willing to back down without a fight. After all, they were the soldiers of the Desert Fox, and they would not let their commander down. As the days passed under the harsh African sun, the impending battle became more tangible. On one side, Montgomery's well-rested and well-equipped forces waited with bated breath. On the other side, Rommel's weary but determined troops held their ground, ready to defend their positions. It was a volatile standoff, and the unveiling of Montgomery's plan would light the fuse. General Montgomery, with his keen military mind, had crafted a two-pronged strategy. He named it Operation Lightfoot. This plan was designed not only to win the battle but also to cripple Rommel's forces beyond repair. The first part of the plan was a frontal assault, a straight punch into the heart of Rommel's defenses. The infantry was to clear a path through the deadly minefields, opening up corridors for the armored divisions to surge through. This was where Operation Lightfoot got its name. The infantrymen would have to tread lightly, almost dance on their toes to avoid triggering the mines. Once the corridors were open, the British tanks would engage Rommel's panzers, drawing them into a battle of attrition. This was where Montgomery's numerical superiority would come into play. The idea was to tie down and gradually whittle down the Panzer Army, leaving them severely weakened even if they managed to repel the attack. The second part of the plan was a flanking move by the New Zealand Division to the south, aimed at encircling and trapping Rommel's forces. If successful, this would cut off Rommel's retreat, resulting in the total destruction of his Panzer Army. Montgomery's plan was ambitious and risky. It required precise coordination between different units and a steady advance in the face of fierce resistance. But if it worked, it would tip the scales of the North African campaign decidedly in the Allies' favor. As the plan was communicated down the ranks, it instilled a sense of purpose in the soldiers of the Eighth Army. They knew they were not just walking into a battle, they were embarking on a pivotal mission that could shape the course of the war. Under the vast desert sky, as the setting sun painted the horizon with shades of fiery orange and red, the curtain was about to rise on the greatest performance of their lives. Chapter 3 The Clash of Titans As the dusk of October 23, 1942, blanketed the African desert, the silence was deafening. Then, at exactly 9.40 p.m., the stillness was shattered. An intense bombardment, the largest the British Army had ever orchestrated, roared into life, turning the night into a spectacle of blinding flashes and thunderous booms. Operation Lightfoot had begun. Montgomery's artillery unleashed a storm of steel and fire onto the Axis positions. The sky was lit with the fury of over a thousand guns, while the ground trembled under the sheer force of the bombardment. This opening act was designed to soften up Rommel's defensive lines and to signal the start of the infantry's advance. In the midst of the deafening barrage, the British infantry moved forward. 
These brave men, stepping lightly to avoid the lethal minefields, advanced towards the enemy lines. Every step was taken with extreme caution, their hearts pounding in their chests as they moved deeper into the danger zone. They were the tip of Montgomery's spear, carving a path for the tanks that were to follow. Meanwhile, in the southern sector of the battlefield, the New Zealand Division began their flanking maneuver. Their objective was to secure the Ruisat Ridge and encircle Rommel's forces. This was a pivotal move, one that could change the entire dynamic of the battle. Back in Rommel's camp, the shock of the British assault was palpable. The Desert Fox, although physically absent due to his illness, was spiritually present, guiding his men through the storm. He had anticipated an attack, but not of this magnitude. As the night wore on, the British forces continued their relentless advance. The desert, once a barren and peaceful landscape, was now a raging battlefield. The opening moves of the Second Battle of El Alamein were bold, and they set a tone of intensity that would continue throughout the coming days. By the first light of dawn, the British forces had made significant progress. But this was just the beginning. The real test was yet to come. As the men prepared for the daylight, they knew they were not just soldiers in a battle, they were players in a dramatic performance, the outcome of which would shape the world. As dawn broke on October 24, the battlefield presented a scene of dramatic contrast. The British forces were advancing, but they had entered the killing zone prepared by Rommel's Panzer Army. Rommel, still weak from illness and miles away in Germany, received word of the attack. Despite his condition, he immediately decided to return to his men. The Desert Fox was not one to abandon his pack in their hour of need. Meanwhile, Rommel's stand-in, General George Stumm, had sprung into action. He had unleashed the Panzer Divisions, aiming to counter Montgomery's armored thrust. The German Panzers, though lesser in number, were superior in technology and operated with the precision characteristic of German warfare. The desert soon echoed with the clash of steel as tank battled tank in an intense melee. At the same time, the Axis artillery, recovering from the initial shock, returned fire, turning the desert into a deadly hailstorm of shells. The British infantry, still in the minefields, found themselves in a precarious position, caught between the German guns and the lethal mines. In the south, the New Zealand Division's flanking move ran into fierce resistance. They had hoped to encircle the Panzer Army, but Rommel's defensive lines were proving to be tougher than anticipated. The struggle for Ruisat Ridge was turning into a hard-fought battle. As Rommel's counterattack unfolded, the tide of the battle started to ebb and flow. Montgomery's forces had made a strong opening move, but Rommel's tactical genius and the determination of his men were pushing them back. Despite this, the Eighth Army stood firm. They had anticipated resistance, and they were prepared to fight for every inch of desert sand. The battle was proving to be a titanic clash of strategies and wills, and neither side was ready to give in. As Rommel, weak but determined, finally arrived back on the African front, the stage was set for a gripping confrontation. The dance of war had turned into a duel under the scorching desert sun, and the stakes had never been higher. 
the outcome of this clash would not only decide the fate of North Africa, but also significantly influence the broader conflict of World War II. As the days rolled on, the Second Battle of El Alamein evolved into a war of attrition, each side trying to grind the other down. What had started as a swift assault by the British Eighth Army had now transformed into a grueling deadlock under the unyielding African sun. Montgomery, ever patient, understood the strength in his numbers. The Eighth Army, with its superior resources and manpower, was designed to wear down the enemy. The British tanks kept engaging the Panzer divisions, seeking to drain Rommel's reserves and slowly dismantle his formidable force. Rommel, although faced with mounting challenges, was not a commander to accept defeat easily. The Desert Fox, now back in his command post, orchestrated a fierce defense. His soldiers, inspired by his return, rallied and fought with a renewed ferocity. The clash was brutal. The desert sand was churned and scarred by the continuous ballet of armored machines. Every new dawn saw the wreckage of tanks and the cost of human lives, a testament to the ferocity of the battle. In the south, the fight for Ruisat Ridge continued unabated. The New Zealand division was locked in a bitter struggle against the German and Italian forces. The plan to outflank Rommel's army was being met with stubborn resistance. Despite the casualties and the daunting resistance, the British forces did not relent. They knew the stakes and the importance of their mission. They weren't just fighting a battle, they were engaging in a pivotal struggle that could turn the tide of the war. The days and nights blurred into each other, marked only by the ebb and flow of battle. As the men dug their heels into the desert sand, they were not just soldiers in the heat of combat, they were participants in a historical showdown, a contest of attrition that would test their resolve to the limit and shape the future of the world. Chapter 4 The Turning Point After ten grueling days of attrition warfare, a change was in the air. Montgomery, recognizing that Operation Lightfoot had stalled, decided to change his strategy. He was preparing to launch a new operation that would supercharge the efforts of the Eighth Army. Aptly named Operation Supercharge, this plan aimed to break the stalemate and deliver a decisive blow to Rommel's forces. The new plan was daring. It called for a concentrated assault on a narrow front, targeting a weaker point in the Axis defensive line. Montgomery aimed to punch through Rommel's defenses and, once a gap was created, pour in his armored divisions to exploit the breach and wreak havoc on the German rear lines. The success of this operation depended on the element of surprise and overwhelming firepower. As such, it began under the cover of darkness on November 2nd. The British artillery roared to life, creating a deafening and blinding orchestra of destruction designed to shock and disorient the enemy. As the shellfire illuminated the dark desert night, the infantry advanced. Their objective was clear, to clear a path through the minefields and penetrate the enemy line. They moved forward with grim determination, their hearts pounding with adrenaline as they approached the Axis positions. Meanwhile, Rommel was taken by surprise. He had expected Montgomery to continue his previous tactic of broad front attacks, not this concentrated hammer blow. Still, the Desert Fox was quick to react. 
he ordered his panzer divisions to plug the gap and prevent the British from breaking through. Operation Supercharge had brought a new intensity to the battle. The air was thick with anticipation, the ground shuddered under the might of the artillery, and the soldiers on both sides knew that this could be the turning point they had been waiting for. As they charged forward into the maelstrom or prepared to meet the enemy's onslaught, they were not just soldiers fighting a battle, they were actors in a dramatic performance that would decide the fate of North Africa and influence the larger course of World War II. Rommel, witnessing the ferocity of Operation Supercharge, found himself in a predicament. His troops were exhausted, his tanks depleted, and his supply lines were in peril. The British Eighth Army was pressing hard, and the battle was tipping in their favor. The Desert Fox, a master tactician, knew when to stand his ground and when to retreat. It was time for the latter. Rommel's decision to retreat was as strategic as it was pragmatic. He had hoped to hold his line while waiting for the much-needed supplies and reinforcements, but Operation Supercharge had upset those plans. The British Eighth Army was relentless, and he couldn't afford the risk of encirclement and total destruction. As Rommel started to pull back his forces, the scene was one of chaotic retreat under fire. His command was a mix of disciplined withdrawal and frantic escape. The once proud Panzer Army was being steadily pushed back by the advancing British forces. But retreat didn't mean surrender. As they withdrew, Rommel's men continued to put up a fierce fight. They were battered but not broken. Even as they pulled back, they engaged the enemy, using every opportunity to inflict damage and delay the British advance. Back at the British command post, Montgomery, perceiving the retreat, sensed victory. However, he also knew that the retreating forces of Rommel were like a wounded but dangerous animal, capable of lashing out when cornered. He ordered his men to pursue but remain cautious. Rommel's retreat was a significant turning point in the Second Battle of El Alamein. It was a tactical withdrawal under dire circumstances, a testament to the grueling battle and the resilience of his forces. As they retreated, these men weren't just soldiers beaten back by the enemy, they were actors in a grand performance that was drawing to a close, their actions shaping the course of history. The tide of the Second Battle of El Alamein had irrevocably turned. Rommel's retreat marked the beginning of the end for the Axis presence in North Africa. For the men of the British Eighth Army, their relentless efforts were finally paying off. As Rommel's forces continued to fall back, the British soldiers pressed forward, their morale boosted by the evident shift in fortune. They cleared the remaining Axis positions, their victorious roars echoing over the once contested battlefield. The Desert Fox's fortress had been breached, and the British Lion was on the prowl. Montgomery, the architect of this victory, was a picture of satisfaction as he watched his men advance. His gamble had paid off, his meticulously laid-out plans had worked. The strategic genius had proven his mettle in the most trying circumstances. However, it wasn't just a victory for Montgomery. It was a triumph for every soldier who had fought in the grueling battle. They had stood their ground, pushed through the adversity, and now reaped the rewards of their sacrifice and resilience. As they celebrated, 
the desert that had once seemed an unending hell became a monument to their hard-earned victory. News of the victory at El Alamein spread like wildfire. The British command, the government, and the people erupted in joy. This wasn't just a military success, it was a glimmer of hope in the grim reality of war. It was a decisive demonstration that the Axis powers could be, and would be, defeated. As the sun set on the desert battlefield, El Alamein bore the signs of the fierce conflict. The scarred landscape, the remnants of the fight, the jubilation of victory, and the relief of survival were all part of the aftermath. The men who emerged victorious from this battle weren't merely soldiers, they were the heroes of El Alamein, their actions pivotal in shifting the momentum of World War II. Chapter 5 The Ripple Effect The victory at El Alamein reverberated far beyond the desert landscapes of North Africa. It signaled a seismic shift in the dynamics of World War II, marking the first major defeat for the Axis powers. Prime Minister Winston Churchill, who had been yearning for a victory to boost morale on the home front, received the news with profound relief. He famously declared, Before Alamein, we never had a victory. After Alamein, we never had a defeat. It was a sentiment that echoed through the hearts of the British people and their allies worldwide. Across the Atlantic, the victory was met with similar jubilation. The American forces, who had just begun their own North African campaign with Operation Torch, saw in the Battle of El Alamein a blueprint for success against the previously invincible German forces. The victory bolstered their confidence, promising a glimmer of hope in the tumultuous storm of war. In stark contrast, the news of El Alamein sent shockwaves through the Axis command. Rommel's defeat was a blow to Hitler's aspirations of dominance in Africa and, more broadly, his plans for global supremacy. The invincibility of the Nazi war machine had been called into question, sparking a flicker of doubt within the Axis ranks. The Second Battle of El Alamein did more than just alter the course of the North African campaign it served as a catalyst for change in the global theater of war. The tide was indeed turning. As the world watched, the protagonists of this desert drama had become the torchbearers of change, their actions at El Alamein contributing to the grand narrative of World War II. The domino effect of the Battle of El Alamein was profound, reshaping the landscapes of World War II and setting in motion a chain of events that would ultimately lead to the defeat of the Axis powers. The battle's outcome weakened the Axis hold in North Africa significantly. With Rommel on the retreat, the path was open for the Allies to push westward. Almost simultaneously, the American forces landed in Morocco and Algeria as part of Operation Torch. The combined pressure squeezed the Axis forces, culminating in their eventual surrender in Tunisia in May 1943. The victory at El Alamein was not just a military triumph, it was a psychological one as well. It proved to the Allies that the seemingly invincible German forces could be defeated, a crucial morale booster for subsequent battles. As a result, this renewed energy was carried into the campaigns in Italy, the D-Day landings in Normandy, and even the far-reaching Pacific Theater. Furthermore, the defeat of Rommel, the Desert Fox, a figurehead of German invincibility, was a propaganda disaster for Hitler. 
Rommel's defeat began to plant seeds of doubt among the German high command and the public. The myth of German invincibility began to shatter, and with it, the morale of the German forces started to crack. In essence, the Second Battle of El Alamein set in motion a series of reactions that cascaded across theaters of World War II. Like a well-placed domino that sets off a chain reaction, the victory at El Alamein was the tipping point that led to the eventual downfall of the Axis powers. The heroes of El Alamein weren't just the victors of a pivotal battle, they were the trigger for a domino effect that changed the course of history. The ripple effect of the victory at El Alamein reached far and wide, creating a pathway that would lead the Allies right to the doorstep of Italy, an Axis power stronghold. The dominoes had begun to fall, and the path was clear for a new direction in the war. The defeat of the Axis forces in North Africa freed up Allied resources for other fronts. It also enabled the Allies to control the Mediterranean Sea significantly improving their ability to supply their forces and opening new routes for an invasion into the European mainland. This advantage paved the way for the next significant Allied operation, the invasion of Sicily in July 1943, known as Operation Husky. Sicily's fall shook the very foundations of fascist Italy, leading to the overthrow and arrest of Benito Mussolini, Italy's longtime dictator and Hitler's ally. The power vacuum in Italy led to armistice negotiations with the Allies, and in September 1943, Italy formally surrendered. However, the path to Italy wasn't entirely clear. German forces swiftly occupied northern Italy and reinstated Mussolini, leading to the Italian campaign's bloody and protracted battles. Nonetheless, the path that started at El Alamein had led the Allies to the heart of one of the Axis powers. The Second Battle of El Alamein had been more than a desert conflict, it was the first step on the road to Italy, influencing a series of events that would significantly impact the outcome of World War II. Each stage of the journey, from the sands of El Alamein to the shores of Sicily and the hills of Italy, was shaped by the actions of countless individuals. They were not just soldiers, but key players in a global theater their actions at El Alamein carving a path that would shape the world's history. Chapter 6, Legacy of El Alamein The legacy of the Second Battle of El Alamein is as much about its strategic importance as it is about the two military titans who faced each other on the sandy battlefield, Field Marshal Bernard Montgomery and Field Marshal Erwin Rommel. Montgomery emerged from the battle as a national hero. His meticulous planning and careful tactics, marked by a deep understanding of his adversary, were instrumental in securing a much-needed victory for the Allies. Monty's attention to detail and his refusal to launch the main attack until he was certain of success won him the respect and admiration of his men. His steadfastness in the face of pressure, coupled with his ability to inspire his troops, defined his leadership style and contributed greatly to his lasting legacy. On the other hand, Rommel, despite being on the losing side, cemented his reputation as a brilliant and daring tactician. Rommel's innovative use of tanks, his audacious maneuvers, and his dogged determination made him a formidable adversary. Even in defeat, he retained the respect of his enemies and his troops. Rommel's command on the battlefield, his tactical genius, 
and his humane treatment of prisoners of war remain key elements of his enduring legacy. The Second Battle of El Alamein was a turning point for both Montgomery and Rommel, forever linking their names to this pivotal event in world history. The interplay between these two commanders, their strategies, and their personal styles provided a human element to the war narrative, adding a layer of depth to the historical accounts of World War II. Even years after the battle, the figures of Montgomery and Rommel continue to be studied, their strategies analyzed, their actions remembered, their legacies forever intertwined with the sands of El Alamein. The Second Battle of El Alamein, in all its epic drama, has etched a vivid mark on popular memory. Its legacy stretches far beyond the confines of the battlefield, seeping into the realms of literature, film, and public consciousness, forever memorializing this significant event of World War II. The battle has been immortalized in countless works of literature and film, from popular war novels to blockbuster movies. These stories often portray the heroics of the soldiers on both sides, capturing the grit, courage, and human cost of the battle. The figures of Montgomery and Rommel feature prominently, their dynamic rivalry and respective genius adding layers of complexity and interest. Furthermore, El Alamein has been memorialized in memorials and war cemeteries, both in North Africa and in the home countries of the many men who fought and died there. The El Alamein War Cemetery in Egypt serves as the final resting place for over 7,000 Commonwealth soldiers and stands as a poignant reminder of the sacrifice made by those brave men. In public consciousness, El Alamein holds a significant place as well. In Britain, it is remembered as a major turning point in the war, a moment of victory after a long series of defeats. The battle's anniversary is still marked with remembrance ceremonies, underlining its lasting significance. In popular memory, El Alamein is more than just a historical event. It has transcended the sands of time to become a symbol of courage and resilience, a tale of human endurance in the face of adversity and a story of hope emerging from the harsh desert. Whether through films, books, or memorials, the echoes of El Alamein continue to resonate, ensuring that this seminal battle and the people who shaped its outcome are never forgotten. Even as the echoes of the Second Battle of El Alamein fade into the annals of history, the lessons it imparted continue to resonate, providing timeless insights into warfare, leadership, and the human spirit. One of the essential lessons from the Battle of El Alamein centers on the strategic importance of logistics and resource management in warfare. The battle underscored that having superior numbers or equipment alone does not guarantee victory. Instead, maintaining secure and efficient supply lines, as the Allies did, can be a decisive factor in the outcome of a conflict. Another lesson that emerges from the sands of El Alamein is the importance of decisive and adaptive leadership. Montgomery's careful planning, coupled with his willingness to delay the attack until he was sure of success, stands in stark contrast to the impulsive, high-risk strategies often associated with wartime leadership. Similarly, Rommel's resilience and tactical brilliance, even in the face of dwindling resources, is a testament to the importance of adaptability in the face of adversity. Lastly, El Alamein serves as a profound lesson in the power of morale. Montgomery's attention to keeping his soldiers' spirits high, 
His efforts to instill a sense of unity and purpose played a critical role in the Allied victory. It is a stark reminder that the human element, the will to fight and the belief in victory, can often tip the scales in times of conflict. In essence, the Battle of El Alamein provides valuable lessons in strategy, leadership, and the indomitable human spirit. As we reflect on this monumental event, it is these lessons that continue to inspire, reminding us of the complex interplay of factors that shape the outcomes of history's greatest conflicts. Through understanding these lessons, we continue to pay homage to those who fought and those who led, their courage forever immortalized in the sands of El Alamein.